The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Conscious Evolution Radio with your host, Ann Gelsheimer. We are entering higher levels of consciousness with both old and new spiritual technologies to help us be the people we've always dreamed of being. We can make the choice to evolve in consciousness and become the change the world needs today. Now, here is Ann Gelsheimer. Hello, this is Ann Gelsheimer, and thank you for listening to Conscious Evolution Radio. Before we start our conversation with my guest today, I just want to remind people that you're welcome to join me in Arizona this May when I'm leading a week-long retreat to teach methods of moving into higher consciousness and for connecting with higher dimensional beings, including celestial beings like angels, and also protocols for making peaceful contact with star beings. Some of you know I've been training with Dr. Stephen Greer, and I've been working with a few other individuals who are doing this kind of work, and it's been fascinating and truly beautiful and profound. So if anybody's interested in learning how to do this and just hanging out with some wonderful people, because I already know some of the people coming, and they are just delightful, this retreat is going to happen from May 3rd to 9th. You can send me an email if you're interested, and we could chat after that. My email is consciousevolutionradio at gmail.com. And now we're going to move into our topic for today's conversation, which is the afterlife. For many people, death is one of their greatest fears. And for those of you who've lost a person or a companion animal that you love dearly, death can be a source of great anxiety because it's such a mystery and because we can no longer check in to make sure that the one we love is doing okay. But in my experience, knowledge can relieve a great deal of worry about the unknown. So this month, we're going to continue with the conversation that began with Daniel Brinkley when he talked to us about his afterlife experiences. My brilliant, fun, and delightful guest today is Roberta Grimes. Roberta is an Austin-based business attorney and an expert in life after death. After two extraordinary experiences of light in childhood, Roberta has, was determined to understand the afterlife. She has now spent decades going through the archives of the Psychical Research Society of London, studying nearly 200 years of abundant and consistent communications from those who have died. As a result of this disciplined research and her study of also quantum physics and consciousness, Roberta has been able to explain with clarity what comes after the physical body dies and our spirits enter the afterlife. And this information helps to, it helps us get rid of some of those fears and superstitions that we've all been exposed to. And it helps open up a new understanding of death that is uplifting and even joyful. Roberta's research is presented in two of her books, The Fun of Dying, Find Out What Really Happens, and her second book on the topic, The Fun of Staying in Touch. 
Roberta is currently on the governing board of the Academy for Spiritual and Consciousness Studies, and she's co-chairing their conference in 2015, which we do want to hear about today. So, Roberta, welcome to Conscious Evolution Radio. Oh, thank you for having me with you. Oh, that was a wonderful introduction. Thank you for that as well. Oh, you were, you were so delightful. Roberta and I got to speak a few weeks ago just before a sort of a pre-interview conversation and it was so much fun. So Roberta, tell me, cause it's so fascinating. Here you are as a lawyer. How did you get into, uh, this interest and pursuit in research around the afterlife? Well, it started when I tried to understand my two extraordinary experiences in childhood because if you don't ask a question, you never get an answer. And these are very private, these these experiences. In my case, it was an experience of light. But it, whether it's an NDE or any of the other things that happen to almost everybody, eventually, if you live long enough, you don't want to talk about them because they're so private. You don't want people to say, oh, that didn't really happen, because you know it did. And right. since I'm... Since I couldn't learn what had happened, I decided to find myself, uh, find out myself what had happened. And the thing about researching this is that once you start, it's just like candy because there's so much information that most people, most people have no idea about. So that's how I got started. It was, a, it was meant to be a minor thing and it's consumed my life. Would you be comfortable telling us a little bit about those experiences of light? Sure. Um, I didn't talk about them until I was in my 40s, and my mother had a very similar experience, but I held them in my heart for sure. When I was eight years old, I woke up in the middle of the night and knew there was no God, and I was terrified. This this void suddenly opened before me. I remember it vividly, even though it was six, it's been 60 years. And in the midst of my terror, there was a brilliant flash of white light in my room. It showed in the room. It wasn't in my mind. And there was a young male voice that said, you wouldn't know what it is to have me if you didn't know what it is to be without me. I will never leave you again. Now, when you're eight, everything is amazing, so nothing is. I didn't realize how extraordinary that was until I discovered nobody else ever had that happen to them. But uh, it was it was very comforting. I From that time on, I, I was anxious, so I didn't know what had happened to me. And since I, I even majored in religion in college, I figured by the time that you get to college, they're going to tell you what goes on. And I didn't still ask anybody, but I was sure I was going to find out. However, when I was finishing college and still, I had no idea because no I never idea, asked right? anyone. Um, I, I had the experience a second time. This time I was, it was full daylight. I was sitting, went into my bedroom, sat down, and the same light and the same voice said, I will never leave you. So that's when I started doing this research, because I wasn't going to ask people, because obviously everyone was clueless, but I was going to find out what that was. And it's been a wonderful, wonderful journey. What a great way to launch an investigation <laughs> like this. So. So what did you find as you began doing your research? And I, I know you've uh, actually you've looked at some of the archives at the London Psychical Society. Is that correct? I, I, there, the thing about this research is that there are archives of communications with dead people that are uh, carefully documented by researchers, you know, very well cataloged. There is so much information in, in in Great Britain, in the United States, and I'm sure in other countries, although I only was reading in English. And there are books that were published. Now, everything I studied, really, for most of my, my career of doing this research was pre-1950, because there was so much received 
It's right. from the very end of the 19th century through the first part of the 20th century, there was a heyday of communication. Most of it was received through deep transmediums, automatic writing, or in some cases, channeling. But I read everything I could get my hands on wherever I could find it. It was just a consuming, consuming hobby. And what I discovered, and this is what is really astonishing, I discovered that through reading hundreds and hundreds of these communications, there were no outliers. They all were talking, of course, it was a complex reality they were talking about, but they were talking sure. about the same reality, the same physics, the same process, the same things people do, even the ways people dress, the, 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 the process of travel, the process of speaking, everything was the same. Now, you don't get that unless it's real. I mean, well, I was thinking that, especially with your law background, with that many people with the same testimony, that would make a yeah. very strong case. Exactly right. Yes, exactly right. It was impossible for it not to be real. So I realized, probably 20 years ago, I, I realized I had read enough of these communications to know that they were all talking about the same place. I could keep doing the research, and I have since read more recent stuff, but I wasn't going to find out anything different. So that's when I decided I wanted to know the details. If something is this real... There has to be a physics behind it. I mean, it has to be a scientific... This is a real place, just as real as where you're sitting now. So there has to be a scientific explanation. And it was frustrating to try to understand, because, of course, I'm not a scientist at all. And I never even took, you know... I, I, I never got farther than Algebra two. I never took even physics in high school, which was an advantage, because I never had anything then that I had to unlearn. But it was really only in the first part of this century that we started to get good physics for dummies books, especially oh. quantum physics for dummies. Great. And that's been a revelation to all the afterlife researchers. One thing I should say in is that there are a lot of people who have basically done the same research. You start meeting them as you, as you go along. And what's amazing is everybody I've ever met who has done this research has exactly the same conclusions. We, we complete each other's sentences. It's so obvious and so clear wow. what is going on that you don't even have disagreements with people who have done this research. I, I just, um, actually yesterday was, was on a panel of six people uh, who all came from very different backgrounds. We were being asked questions, and we all had the same answers, which kind of was amazing to me because some people had come from, you know, a, a new age type or, or, um, or they were mediums, all kinds of backgrounds. We all had the same conclusions. It's all real. Fascinating. So that's so validating. So let's dive right in. What have you learned about the afterlife? Well, one of the things that is the hardest for us to wrap our minds around, but the most important, I think, to really understand, is that there are at least six levels of inhabited afterlife reality that all exist exactly where we are right now. Hmm. This was the part that several things about the evidence were troubling until we we could get a a look at quantum physics. And one of them um, is the fact that it's all in the same place. How is that possible? Right. But, of course, course we, we know that... The, almost everything that exists is empty space. If, uh, I use in the book the example of that the White House, same size, same placement, were the nucleus of an atom, the closest orbiting electron might be in Denver, and there'd be nothing in between. That's a perspective, yes. 
But, but it's, it's all empty space. It's, right. And even those little particles, which they used to call apart, they still call them particles sort of nostalgically. When you drill down on them, you find out that they're just vortices of energy. Mm-hmm. Really, everything is energy. So when you know that, it's a little easier to understand what I'm about to say. But the, the best analogy I can give is this. We're in the room where you are, there are a bunch of TV signals. The only thing that separates them is that some are, you know, gradually higher and higher vibratory rates. You go up the channels, and, and they're a slightly different different frequency, but, but it's all in the same place. You turn on your TV, which is what your mind basically is. Your mind is in place of that TV. And right now, it's tuned to this level of reality, and in fact, it's tuned to that body on this level of reality. And that's why you think you're in the body you're, you think you're in. Makes sense. When you die... All that happens is that TV, your mind, tunes to a slightly higher vibratory rate or frequency, just as if it had changed channels, and it picks up in the same place a whole new solid reality, just as solid as this one is. That is fat. I love that. That is so clear. Like you, I've read, since I was a little girl, I've been reading books on that, but I love the way you put that. It's very, very simple to understand. It's that shift in vib- vibratory frequency, which we... You know, we also get through meditation, and that's why people yeah. are are able to connect with these other dimensions or these other levels of reality. That's right. That's right. So t- it's all right here, though, is a very important thing for people to understand because yes. that helps us understand. That helps us sort of understand and work with how communication happens, and also why it's so difficult. Uh, that's something, this is sort of where the news is going to be over the next few years, because the communication research that's going on, uh, using specifically electronic communication, is um, really beginning to make great strides. And uh, I expect that certainly within the next 10 to 20 years, we will have a, a phone which will allow us to, to talk to the dead. Wow. And that's going to make a lot of difference, as you can imagine, in a lot oh, of ways. Oh, my goodness. Oh, for sure. I mean, once we can, you know, have that sense of connection on the other side, that takes so much of the fear away and so much of the grief. Fear and takes away a lot of the grief. But what may be the most important of all is that it's going to take away the alibi of, of mainstream science, which has a dogma. Anything with a dogma is only a belief system at this point, but their dogma is atheistic materialism. Now, when people can go right from the funeral home after the funeral, right to the, the station, which is what actually the dead, the term the dead use, but the, 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 the earth level station, and have a conversation with the person who just died, when people are able to do that, and scientists keep, still keep saying, wait a minute, there's no afterlife. Oh, you know, the scientists will right. only look ridiculous. And then they'll finally start to look at this stuff. They're going to have no choice. And we, we welcome that because whenever people who are truly open-minded scientists look at this information, they become as enthralled with it as we are. I was thinking of one of them, uh, Gary Schwartz. Is that, I think that's his name. Oh, um, yes. In Arizona. He's a wonderful scientist and has been doing this research for some time. Yes, Gary is a fearless pioneer, and he is one of the people who is working right on the cutting edge of how we're going to set up electronic communication. He's one of my big heroes. I recommend to everybody, um, anything Gary Schwartz writes is wonderful, but uh, his book, The Afterlife Experiments, was what convinced me that psychic mediums really <laughs> do something, because I had been very, I'm, I'm skeptical by nature. I think most researchers are, because they don't want to believe things, they want to know things. And uh, Gary did wonderful triple-blind and quadruple-blind experiments with uh, 
psychic mediums, and he found some are very, very, very real. They're very good at what they do. That's I, I remember reading that. I remember um, the medium that the TV show was based on. Alison Dubois was one she, of the people she, she, that he, he assessed. About her. Yes. Yes. So we just got about a minute or so before break, but I wondered if you'd sort of outline very roughly what the six stages are, and then we'll come back and we'll talk in more detail, the, or sort of the, the six levels of the afterlife. Well, the, the lowest level is what Jesus called the outer darkness, where there'll be wailing and gnashing of teeth, and it's the punishment level. Uh, very, very miserable. You never want to go there. Um, but in fact, the people who are there, all of them, as best we can determine, put themselves there. And I, I, after the break, everyone hold on. We'll, we'll talk about how you put yourself in the worst possible place. The, the next level above is kind of a recovery level, level two. Levels three through five are what we call the summerland. They're absolutely beautiful. They're much more beautiful than here, but they're very earth-like. And level six is the causal or mental level where the highest beings just shy of the source are. It's beautiful, but it's, most of it's not material. It's just if you can imagine nothing but bliss, that's what's there. It's also called the teaching level because the people who are there, these very advanced beings, make a, make a point of both on this level of reality and in the afterlife of being teachers. And sometimes they do appear on Earth, but rarely. Thank you, Roberta. That's going to be fascinating. We're going to come back uh, in just a, a very short amount of time. So this is Ann Gelsheimer on Conscious Evolution Radio, and we will be right back. is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are tuned in to Conscious Evolution Radio, and we love to hear from you. Please send any questions or comments about the show via email to Conscious Evolution Radio at gmail.com. Again, that's Conscious Evolution Radio at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hi, this is Ann Gelsheimer. You're listening to Conscious Evolution Radio, and my wonderful guest today is Roberta Grimes. Roberta is an afterlife expert, as well as being a lawyer, and she is explaining to us some of her research on the levels of the afterlife. And the very first level we, we talked about just before the break is one that we definitely want to avoid. So Roberta, tell us more about that and how we can not, how we can manage to 
bypass that particular level. But what happens is that, um, we, you know, we're told we're here for any manner of reasons, but we're here really, really here, almost all of us here, to learn to love and to learn to forgive. Not love a little bit, but love completely, and not forgive sometimes, but forgive automatically and totally. That's why we're here, and that's what all the little lessons are we have in our lives. So, so then we, we die, and we go through a judgment, and the judgment involves a... Uh, a panoramic review of our whole life in which we get to experience all of these feelings we had over again. And then we also get to feel how we made others feel, for good or ill. And people who've been through it say it's the hardest thing you ever did to discover how many people people's feelings you hurt or people you slighted mm-hmm. or things you could have done but you didn't do to help people. It's hard. And then when it's over, we're told, okay, now you need to forgive others, which everybody does. And then we're told, all right, now it's time to forgive yourself. That's uh-huh. the hardest thing they tell us you could ever have to do is to knowing what you meant to do, seeing how you fell short, still forgive yourself. A lot of people have trouble doing it. So they get counseling, they get help. If they still can't forgive themselves, gradually, that remember we talked about you go to a, a, a level based on sort of vibratory rate, the, right. the more spiritually developed you are, the higher the rate to which you can, can manage. Most people can get to level three. But if you can't sustain level three because you can't forgive yourself, your vibratory rate lowers. Oh, you can only get to level two. You can't go higher. And if you still don't forgive yourself, you're going to end up on level one, which is the punishment level. You didn't mean to put yourself there, and you certainly don't want to be there. But if you don't forgive yourself, that's where you end up. As wow. best we can determine, that's the way people get there. And and there isn't really, there doesn't seem to be another way. Uh, obviously, if you're a very evil, nasty person, I suppose then you're not going to have a very high, high vibratory rate either. But nearly all of it is just can't feel terrible about things they did and have a lot of trouble forgiving themselves. And eventually, that's where they end up. So how do they move out of that level and move on in their spiritual development eventually? It, it, it seems that you can't get out of that level on your own because you just continuously go around the same circle of blaming yourself. Right. But there's a lot of rescue work that goes on there. People who have just died, it seems to be easier for people on that level to perceive the newly dead or the still living than it is for them to perceive the higher higher level beings. So if you're someone who wants to help with rescue work, right after your death, some higher level being will, will accompany you and you'll go down into the lowest level, just lowering your own vibratory rate, which we do easily. You can go down, but you can't go up. And and uh, we'll lower our vibratory rate and spend time there and try to get their attention. People especially who have loved ones there will do this. But it's also a charitable thing to do regardless. If you can get their attention, you can sometimes convince them that there's a better place to be and get them to level two. Once they're at level two, they there's hope then they can be worked with. They can perceive, you know, higher level beings. And gradually, apparently, we're told everybody gets rescued. It just can take what amounts to, in Earth years, a very long time in some cases. You know, I've been studying shamanism and, and shamanic practices like psychopomp work, which is where human beings who are still in physical form 
uh, try to help with that rescue work. They're actually uh, techniques for shifting consciousness and, and trying to assist those who are stuck on that level to move on, at least to the second level where they can get the assistance. And uh, it's, it was, it's, Yes, it's, it's a, what's interesting, and you, well, that's a very interesting point. What's interesting to me is that in all these different traditions, there often is a great deal of what we learn just from studying the evidence in terms of truth. In, in some um, traditions, it's been turned into a religion. It's got dogmas associated with it. For example, right. reincarnation happens, but it isn't the kind of it isn't necessarily the kind of reincarnation that some of the religions that profess reincarnation uh, have. And and uh, uh, but it it is interesting, isn't it, that they all. So so many of them have these truths as as core to their beliefs as well. Especially when it's uh, more uh, sorry experiential than maybe dogmatic, where people literally will have the experience of seeing someone stuck. Who you know they may have that that higher sight and are able to see it and and are able to assist. And I know there's certainly mediums who are practicing who say that that's part of their work is to assist people out of that level and and to move on. Yes. So tell us about the second level and and uh, a little bit more about that, and then the higher levels as well. The second level, uh, I think my father was there for a time. I, I've had only two communication dreams in my life, and in one of them, I visited him. And the place where he was, one of the things about the afterlife that kind of surprises people when they hear it is that the sky there is generally pink rather than blue. And where he was, it was it was dark above, but it was sort of pink around all the horizons, and there was his, his house and, and all of that. And I, the, the feel of it, it was sort of cold, but not not awful. Now, why would he put himself there? Um, he he wouldn't communicate for, with us for twenty years. After twenty years, he came through to my daughter when she was consulting a medium for another purpose. And he said, will you please tell your mother and her sister that I'm sorry I messed up their childhood? Well, hmm. he been dead for 20 years. It never, it never occurred to me. He thought we had, I thought we, I had a, he was an alcoholic. That was his problem. And he, right. he was feeling, feeling bad about that. But, but what that taught me, just as an aside, is if people die that you love, make sure they understand you forgive them for everything because it took him a very long time to forgive himself. And until he did, apparently he was in this neither here nor there place, not, not the lowest level, no demons there, which the lower level is full of demons who actually are people, only they seem to be demons, but still sort of lonely and, and, and sad and dark, which is, which is what we are told that that level two actually is. Right. And, Level three through five are beautiful. Level three is where I think most people enter. If you've lived a decent life, you know, you haven't robbed or murdered anybody, you, you probably will end up there. And then from there, you can learn and grow. But it's so much harder to make spiritual progress in the afterlife because it's sort of like going to the – you need to go to the gym if you want good muscles. Well, in order to develop spiritually, you need something in the same way. You need something to strain again. And there, it's just happy and fun, and everything is terrific. There isn't that kind of stress that we get here. We, we sort of come here the way you go to the gym, and, and the, the difficult times in your life or things you planned into your life, people don't believe this, but apparently it's true almost in every case, 
you planned that awful first marriage and you planned, you know, the, the, the job that went wrong because those are ways to learn how to love and forgive. Those are all opportunities for, for spiritual growth. Wow. So, so when, but once we get there, it's playtime. And it's, a lot of the playtime happens on that level, too. Uh, there are concerts by, you know, and whoever you can think of who's dead is probably still in concert there and performing. You can learn how to play the piano or or, or do um, do all kinds of art. We can we can explore areas that are much more beautiful than any we can imagine. We can take courses. We can sit at the feet of Jesus or Buddha or anyone and learn. It's just the, and it doesn't get dark. It's always seventy eight degrees. It's beautiful there. So that's level three, and it, it's physically beautiful as well. Beautiful vegetation, and no, nothing ever fades, nothing ever dies. So you never see a fallen leaf. The vegetation is semi-conscious, so the flowers turn their faces to you, and they give off oh. a beautiful scent. Isn't that lovely? That's they give beautiful. Off a lovely, yeah, lovely scent and energy. People, people there don't need to eat or drink, but they, all they do is. Is they, they bury their face in a flower and they inhale that glorious energy. Or the water gives it off, too. You, the water is dry so that you walk into it, you walk out dry. But it's, but the energy in the water is such that just walking into water and out of it again is, is tremendously energizing. So, so that's, the, that's the lowest of the good levels. It gets much better from there. So what happened? How can it get better? <laughs> I know. Well, that's, that, that's what I kind of wonder, too. But... The higher you go, the more interesting things there are to learn, number one. And number two, apparently the, the vegetation, the vistas are even more lush and more gorgeous. Uh, level five is apparently absolutely spectacular. Uh, I, I, very few people who have communicated with us were on level five at the time. So we, there isn't, we don't have as much information about that. Level six is mostly not material, but the people on level six can readily hang around on the lower levels and, and do. Uh, I have a friend who died at the age of 20, and that was about seven or eight years ago, and he was a level six being who had come back wow. to try to um, reclimate himself to what it was like on Earth so that he could become a teacher. Because when the, when the usual level six beings communicate, as channels, for example, they have they can't remember how we even think, so they sound weird and strange. So, right. Mikey Morgan decided that he was going to be a level six being who knew how to talk. So he's he's, a, he's still a twenty year old. He snowboards in the afterlife, and yet he's he's got this beautiful, beautiful message. And I'm so impressed with him. And I don't impress easily. He communicates through his mother, by the way, who knows nothing about this stuff, is not a medium, but she communicates with him by pendulum. I'm helping him write a book, which should be out by the end of the year, um, which is just has his story, basically, what it was right. like to die, how to, you know, going back and remembering everything he was supposed to do, and then now he's teaching us. Um, but that's, that's, a, that's a level six being. They all, most of them, many of them have a mission uh, to try to help it to elevate our consciousness, and they will do it in some amazing way. And it's interesting he didn't uh, stay here that long either. Maybe it was just long enough to do that one assignment of remembering how to talk to us. Well, he, he tells his mother, because we usually plan two or three exit points into our lives. Virtually never is a death accidental, and that includes even what looks to be accidental death. Right. 
So he had planned younger. He just needed to reacclimate himself to what it was like to be on Earth. But his last planned exit point was at the age of 20. He told his mother afterwards that he was having so much fun here, he he really didn't want to go. So that was his last exit point, and, and he died in a rollover accident. Nobody else was even injured, and he was killed instantly. And, wow. and we, we talk about that in the book, what that was like, what happened next, what happened after that. I find it fascinating because I know all this stuff from having you know, talked to, to or, or rather, uh, you know, read stuff communicated to us 100 years ago. But to have somebody just have been through these experiences and to be somebody I kind of know, it's really kind of exciting and fun. Now, would you be uh, okay sharing what that process was for him of, of dying and leaving the body? Virtually never are people in their bodies if, if the body if the death is traumatic. This is something we're told over and over again. The, I, I didn't. I, I was not in the body when I had the accident. Instead, um, the accident happened, and uh, I was already out of it. I, I went right through the roof, as they'll often say, and of course, it was solid roof mm-hmm. of a car, and 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 thought happened. And the same was true with Mikey. He found himself beside the road. And he had with him, um, you know, there, we almost always had people with us as well, explaining to him, you know, what was happening. And he said, I saw the accident happen, and then I realized, I saw my body, I said, well, this doesn't look good. Oh, and, dear. Um, and and he, he was he was so devastated for his friends who had to basically go through this unexpected death of their friend when you're out on this lovely, lovely drive. Right. And uh, it was it was very, it was hard for him. And but he said, I almost immediately started, it almost immediately started to come back. I didn't instantly remember everything, but it was so familiar because I'd had so many lives before that the process was very familiar. And I just, just he, to, to rapidly come to sort of remember, because we have a willing amnesia. We kind of a contract effectively that we have before we come into our bodies that we won't remember truth because what would be the point I, you know if you're if you go to the gym it's like going to the gym but you didn't have any no tension on the machine because you can't, you're not going to take it seriously if you know it's just a bad day in school it's not real right so, so he had also done the amnesia bit and it came back to him then very slowly but then suddenly very quickly and he knew who he was and then of course his first anxiety is for his family because very close family mother father younger brother and he, he did a lot to give them signs. One of the things I didn't realize before I wrote The Fun of Staying in Touch is that most people have no idea of how many kinds of signs the dead give us. And some of them are really amazing. Their minds are more powerful in terms of manipulating matter than ours are. We I get are blown perfect. away. I've, I've seen that myself just from people I know who've passed on. And I can't believe how do they do that? Like even just getting the right song on the radio at the right time to, right, to make an right, impression. Right. It's, it's magic. Yeah, it, in the fun of staying in time, my, Mikey was my um, consultant because I had the same problem. How do they do that? And he he talks about it in, in the, the fun of staying in touch. I quote him word for word. But essentially, because there's no time where the dead are, they know where we're going to be. They they can manipulate the if it's programmed music. They can manipulate the programmed music. Uh, so that the right song falls at the right time. And the song might be a familiar song, the song you dance to at a wedding, for example, or it might be a song that just gives an answer to a question that you've been asking your dead loved one in your mind. But they can also influence the minds of DJs 
And, and here's just a great quick story. His mother was teaching pendulum at the last year's Academy for Spiritual and Consciousness Studies conference, and one of the women absolutely did not believe it. She was telling her friend walking out for lunch, there's no way. I, she was, I could see her hand moving a pendulum. It wasn't happening. It wasn't happening. Now, the, the, um, my Sweet Lady was one of, is one of the songs that his theme song, theme song, he'll frequently play that for his mother. That's a communication between them. And so she was playing that as they, as they left the room. And it's apparently a John Denver song. I don't know it. I don't and know it's it. It's not that common. But they went to a restaurant for lunch that day and they walked in. There was a live musician playing. And as they walked in, he started to play My Sweet Lady. And they looked at one another. And they said, oh, my God. So she went up to him in between songs. She said, was that on your playlist? He said, no, I have no idea why I played that. Wow. He just had to do it. So she went back to Carol and said, okay, now I believe you're doing really talking to him. Because look what he just did to me. And and Carol then asked Mikey, did you do that to them? And he said, yeah, I I couldn't let her get away with what she was saying. So they're very powerful. They can do these things. They can do a lot more than they will do because they can move objects, even fairly large objects, and they can make them disappear and they can make them reappear. Their minds are powerful, but they won't do things that, that are going to spook us. And if it's a malevolent being who wants to spook us, our guides protect us. We're very, very, very well cared for. Each of us is. And I think it's important always to remember that. No bad so thing Roberta- is going to happen unless it's meant to happen for your spiritual growth. So we're going to take a a break, but I want to come back and talk a little bit more about that protection as well as the new understanding or a different understanding of reincarnation and suicide because that's always a concern for people. So this is Ann Gelsheimer on Conscious Evolution Radio, and we will be right back. is the seventh wave channel on the voice america network take us on the go it's even easier now the voice america talk radio network has launched our mobile app for iphone android or blackberry visit the apple itunes app store blackberry app world or android market to download the app powered by aircast it's free and no registration is necessary in minutes you could be enjoying your favorite voice america talk radio host no matter where you are in the car out and about while traveling or anytime you can't be close to your computer catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot search voice america at your favorite app store have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are tuned in to Conscious Evolution Radio, and we love to hear from you. Please send any questions or comments about the show via email to ConsciousEvolutionRadio at gmail.com. Again, that's ConsciousEvolutionRadio at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. 
Hi, this is Ann Gelsheimer, and you're listening to Conscious Evolution Radio. And my wonderful guest today is Roberta Grimes. We have been having a tremendous conversation about the afterlife and the levels in the afterlife. So I want to jump right back in again. We were talking about how it's possible for uh, people to communicate from the other side with those of us who are still in physical form. Um, and we were mentioning that there's a, there's protection there, etc. Roberta, would you talk to us a little bit about the protection? Because I know people worry that, you know, what some people on the other side may not be so nice and that they might be in some, in some way in danger. I think it's important to remember that we all have very close friends who are not now in their bodies. We might have one. Uh, we might have a number of them, depending on what our work is, because we sometimes have, have guides who are specific to whatever our work is. Uh, but we, we have a lot of people who are not now in bodies, who, who have more powerful minds, who are there to just help us hit the marks on the plan we have for this life and to protect us from anything negative. Um, and you can you can talk to your guides, and I urge people to do that. You don't even know need to know their names. You don't need to just say, thank you, guides, for, for taking care of me. Thank you for helping me have the experiences I'm supposed to have. Thank you for all your efforts. Because they devote our lifetimes to us. They, they're not doing the playing they could be doing right now, but they're, that's how much they love us. And if we will allow ourselves to be in the light of our guide's help and guidance, we won't have the bad experiences with negative entities that we could have otherwise. So I urge everyone to just become more comfortable with the fact that you do have this protection. It's God's protection. These guides are really just God's messengers in our lives. And what qualifies someone to become a guide on the other side? Just passing over is probably not enough, but there there must be some other preparation. No. Well, they, they need to be simpatico with us, um, people who are... Um, are really close friends, but it's a, it's a way for them to grow as well. There is spiritual growth to come from being someone's guide, taking that responsibility. They have to have achieved a certain level. I don't think it's everything there is much more flexible. But once they've received a certain level, achieved a certain level of development, uh, they will um, be allowed to undertake that responsibility, which is which is a a very important one. I mean, I just coincidentally just have had a, a reading, which I hadn't had one in years, but my mother died two years ago and she was trying to get through to me. So I went to a, a medium I very much respect, and it ended up being mostly about my guidance. And I found out for the first time that this guide, which I've always known I've had, is someone who's been my guide in multiple lifetimes, and I learned something more about him. And he is he is an advanced being sufficiently that he doesn't incarnate anymore. Well, that was interesting to hear. Mm-hmm. But I've known he was there. I just never knew much about him. Now I do, which is kind of fun. I feel like I have more of a concrete friend. But we all have them. Now, Roberta, some of us, we, we, you and I were talking on break about our companion animals who pass over. And I know for some people that I know, uh, they continue that feeling that those companion animals are still with them and looking after them, protecting them even. I wondered if you would talk a bit about that process for animals when they die. Animals, each species of animal has a species-specific, what's called a group soul, the spirits of the animals in the wild or companion-type animals that don't have a close relationship with a, with a human, those spirits, when the animal dies, return to the group soul. However, if there is a companion animal or a circus animal or a farm animal who 
is uh, develops a love relationship with a human being. That animal develops an independent existence. They go to the same place we go. They're either cared for, for by our loved ones there, or they live with a group of similar animals and play and have fun. And since there's no time there, it seems to them as if no time passes before we show up. And they're all over us. If you've had a lot of dogs, believe me, you're going to be jumped on like you cannot imagine. <laughs> and they're, they're young, they're healthy, they're happy. They never have to be fed. They never have to be walked. They're just joy. And the people who have had a lot of dogs or cats in life end up sharing them a lot. I'm going to have to have maybe a couple dogs shared with me because they haven't ever said as many as I'd like. But they're all there. And this is one of the things we're most certain about because the evidence is so consistent. Any animal you ever have loved is there. And that, that includes farm animals, for example, or circus animals. Mm-hmm. The the uh, the reading I had with, with uh, my guide this past week with my brother media friend this past weekend where I talked mainly with my guides, my family had all gathered on this farm. My grandparents were dairy farmers, and the medium said, "It's all cows. There's cows everywhere." Well, my grandfather had a lot of cows he loves, so oh. they all developed an independent life. My horse is there. I had him for almost thirty years. And I was devastated when he died. And then a few nights later, I had a gorgeous dream of him in which he's young and beautiful, and I can't wait to see him again. But, but that, that's what happens. They're, they're there, and they're happy, and they love us to pieces. And is there any reports in the literature you reviewed of them continuing to uh, travel with us in spirit? There are some indications that occasionally they will reincarnate. So that you might have an end because they have such short lives compared to ours. This seems to be especially true with dogs, to whom we're very close. If it's helpful to us to have that dog reincarnate in another puppy and and we we, uh, will get that puppy, then that does happen. Um, they they also can they can appear physically to us, but the most common physical signs from pets, um, oddly enough, is. If, they, if a pet has slept on your bed, it will continue often to do that, and you'll you'll feel the bed move when the pet jumps up, and you'll see the little paw indentations, and then you'll see the indentation where the pet falls down by your feet to sleep. And people wow. tell me, I've heard from a number of people, I just, just wrote about this, I've, I've heard from a number of people saying, oh, yes, I didn't, I didn't understand that happened to other people, too. It's very common. Hearing you know, bark from I've... meow is common. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, just having a sense of their presence, or if you have other animals, the animal will go, "Whoa, what was that?" And you look at the animal staring into space. They're they're looking at their friend who has appeared in the room on a, just on another level of reality, so we can't see them. But the, our pets, being more naive, are more able to perceive uh, beings that are at a higher level of reality. Yes, cats in particular, there can be a little bit spooky the way they yes. they're watching something and you can't see it. <laughs> But yes, they can. Absolutely. <laughs> now, tell us about reincarnation, because I know you said it's not always the way people th- have been trained to think about it. What have you learned about reincarnation? Well, the thing you need to remember about reincarnation is that time is not real. Time right. operates only, it's an artifact of this material level of reality. And every other level of reality, we can choose to experience it or not. Or we can sometimes experience it and sometimes not. People who are close 
to the earth plane, either they just died or they're staying close because they have a spouse here or something, will tend to live according as if time is real. But many times, people don't. They just, they're living in a timeless now, which is beautiful. And because it's, time is not real, all of our lifetimes, in a way I can't understand, all of our lifetimes are happening at the same time. It's all right. happening at once. All of human history, past, present, and future, is happening at once. And, and our various lifetimes are influencing one another. So that, and that includes future lifetimes. Um, for example, Brian Weiss, who does past life regression, uh, right. will find that uh, it, it's therapy. So because people have phobias or, or illnesses no one can diagnose, they'll find, he'll find that the cause of that phobia or, or health problem is in a past life. And all you need to do is remember that past life and the problem disappears. This has happened to me, so I know it works really well. But he found if he can't find it in a past life, he'll do a future life progression Love and it. find the cause in the future, if you can believe this. And, and, and again, it, it's just knowing it happened and, you know, we sort of reliving that business or pre-living that business in the future. Will, and by the way, the book about this is called Same, Same, Same Soul in Many Bodies. Uh, it talks about his, his future life progression adventures. There's a and book yes, called... Reincarnation the... happens, but it's just right. very different. Um, one, one upper level mm-hmm. being said, think of it as a bucket from which each lifetime is dipped and back into which each lifetime is poured. I don't okay. know if that's, that's how I think of it, but I'm not even sure what that means. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of all of them happening at once because I remember I was in London, the city of London in England, and I remember walking down the street and feeling like the air was dense with beings and times and things that were happening that it like weren't physically visible and it really was a palpable sense of all time happening all at once everything that happened on that street in london at any point in time was happening right now wow. it, was, it, was, it was very strong and i it, dro- it drove home yeah that feeling like oh wow so we are in some sense an extension maybe of, of of our own soul experiencing life in so many different ways all simultaneously isn't that isn't that a fascinating thing but do you see how you get all kinds of validations from all different sources i mean yes. this is we're we're talking about a science this is a real science and it's actually as big a science as all birth sciences put together. And it's the problem is that we are stuck now with a lawyer, you know, with psychics, with, with, with people who really have day jobs trying to begin the process of, of, of understanding what we really must begin to understand. This is very important. What we need is trained scientists to stop being belief system addicted and instead be open-minded enough to look at this all and see whether it's true, which it is true, and then begin to understand and help us understand what it all means and where it goes. Well, that makes sense because that's really what science is. It's not a belief system. It's not a religion. It's an open-minded inquiry. Now, we only have three minutes left, and I, I would love for people to hear about the conference that you're going to be co-chairing, uh, about your blog and uh, your podcast as well. 
Well, the Academy for Spiritual and Consciousness Studies is putting on its um, second Scottsdale conference. We've been at this for 40 years, but we loved the Scottsdale experience in July of last year. So in September of 2015, we will be blowing the doors off. It's called Life in the Afterlife, and we are going to be going places with it where people have never been before. In terms of, of the experts, in terms of the experiences people can have, just go to ASCSI.org, because there isn't time to talk about all this stuff now, but right. ASCSI.org, and just look at the Scottsdale Conference and see uh, just all the things that you can do, and then join us there. I'd love to meet anyone. Please come up and introduce yourself if you come. My, my blog is at robertagrimes.com, and I blog on a wide range of topics. If you, if you read my blogs, you'll, you'll see uh, just uh, how many different kinds of topics fall out of this information. If you leave your, your re- uh, email address, uh, you'll get my blog weekly, and more and more people I find are doing that. Thank you, because uh, it's, it's fun to then be sort of in relationships with them and hear from them, and I love the comments that we get. And you're I also podcast. doing a podcast. <laughs> yes, I podcast at, um, uh, if you go to iTunes, um, there's about a year and a half of podcasts. Just look for Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. And weekly, I podcast on webtalkradio.net. Again, Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. And uh, it's uh, that's a lot of fun, too. We have great guests who talk about all these topics. Now, we're going to put all those links on your guest webpage, so anybody who would like to, you'll be able to just go to the guest webpage for Roberta Grimes on Voice America, and you'll get all that info. And I'm so sorry we're coming right to the end of the show, but it has it has been so delightful, Roberta. And there's more information that I'd love to talk to you about, particularly from your second book. So I really hope you'll come back. Will you come oh, back? Yes. <laughs> I would love to. Let's do that. We'll talk mainly about communication then, because that's a whole wonderful topic. Great. That, I look forward to it. Thank you. That That's so great. And I know it's very meaningful to so many. So thank you. Um, I'm going to wrap up here, regretfully, but happily, because it's been a great interview. This is Ann Gelsheimer with Conscious Evolution Radio, and thank you so much for listening. Thank you again for tuning in to Conscious Evolution Radio. Please join Ann Gelsheimer for another great show next Friday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. We hope to see you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 